Welcome to Musically Hitched, a podcast featuring the untold stories of entertainment professionals from household names to budding superstars and those still hidden in plain sight. Each life has a soundtrack. Our stories are the lyrics. I'm Zach Reynolds Jr. And I'm Crystal Reynolds. This This is Musically Musically Hitched. Alpheus Anderson is an entrepreneur, stellar award-winning songwriter and producer, author, youth facilitator, and much more. He's a distinguished alumnus of Anderson University and a recipient of the President Obama Volunteer Service Award. He's a trainer for teachers, youth leaders, pastors, and musicians. If you enjoyed today's content, don't forget to please like and subscribe so that you're always notified when new episodes are released. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Musically Hitched. I'm your host, Zach Reynolds Jr. And we have a special guest with us today. He is a musician, he's a husband, he's an entertainer, the one and only Alpheus Anderson. How are you, sir? What's up? How's it going? All is well, man. We're glad to have you here on Musically Hitched. You've been Musically Hitched. I'm very glad to be here. Yes, sir. Very, very hitched you are. So uh, we're going to jump right in. Is that okay? Yeah, let's do it. Great. Well, we always like to start with asking our guest, what's your origin? Take us back to your roots. Where are you from and how did you get started in music? I would definitely be remiss if if I, uh, I got to say, I, obviously, I came from God. Uh, I'm from Fat Forest, South Carolina. You never heard of Fat Forest. It's uh, more specifically Fry Line, um, putting Fat Forest on the map. And so Fat Forest, South Carolina, and I am a twin. And I have two other brothers that are twins. And I have three beautiful sisters. But in our household, it was five of us that grew up together. And so uh, my mom and dad, my mom, is not necessarily a musician, but I, I do remember seeing her play the piano here and there, um, but only maybe I can count on one finger seeing her play some chords. And that was pretty much it. My dad is definitely a singer, sing, sing at, at church. My grandfather on my mom's side is a songwriter. My uncles, quartet singers, my granddad actually penned the song, uh, Whisper a Prayer. Of course, if you're in, in, the, in, in the church world, and I think Ricky Smiley, he, he made this song famous as well, but my, that, my grandfather wrote that song, at least that information was passed down to me that your, wow. your, your grandpa wrote Whisper a Prayer. And wow, that's one of my dad's, uh, that's, one of a, that's a classic song. My dad, you know, we grew up in the South as well, and you grew up, going to church and we'll talk about that a little bit more how that's impacted your your journey but that's a song that i can remember way back before praise and worship was something that was you know called praise and worship it was called devotional service back then so definitely remember that tune yeah i'm told my my grandfather who i never met could really sing and 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 pin that song so if if i if i could sit down with him right now i would say i would teach him copyrights (laughs) <laughs> mm. I would I would teach him copyright.gov. But definitely we are my family from Gaffney, South Carolina. We are uh we're sticking with that story and and I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna embrace it unless somebody else challenges it. But uh, that's a part of my history, that's part of my story. Mm-hmm. Never a dull moment in our house. Definitely never a dull moment. A lot of a lot of time outside. And then early at an early age we were uh, allowed to play instruments or explore our musical um, desire, our desire to play musical instruments, and mm-hmm. and we started we started on that journey, uh, playing the keyboard when it didn't even when it wasn't even plugged up. Really, I remember sitting playing on the keyboard and just no batteries, just playing and mimicking, and um, that's a part of of my journey playing the drums as a young age okay, with all of, so two sets, imagine two sets of twins. My mama getting pregnant two times, but having four kids. That's amazing. I've, that's always been one of the most fantastical things I've, I've known about you is, is not just one set, 
but two and boys, correct? Yes, all, all boys. We used to be called the Anderson Twins. And so mm -hmm. we used to sing in church. We used to put ourselves on programs. And I was the guy that would go up and, and slip away from my parents and ask to be on program. And of course, <laughs> I used to sing. Of course, we were all singing. I mean, we were, we were young. I mean, kids. That's before I even knew how to play the keyboard. Okay. But then drums. And then I was the guy in my city that when I did get good enough, I was a guy in the city that would play, be asked to play all the contemporary gospel songs. Okay. And right. in my, I guess in my city, in my region, then it would from Spartanburg to Gaffney and every now and then Greenville, but make a long story short in my city, I, that was enough to keep me busy because I was from church to church. I was the church, the church hopper. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as a musician. And so, it was good though. It put money in my pocket for sure. As a yeah. kid, right. as a high schooler, I could pay for my own lunch. I could buy my own cars, mm -hmm. buy my own um, capping gown. Right. And and so that that's that's in a nutshell part of my journey. And that's my family. That is, uh, I guess, a blessing passed down from 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 both sides of my family. My dad is an entrepreneur. Anderson Pest Control is what we grew up on. Killing okay. bugs, killing termites, grasshoppers and everything, spiders and everything in between. I, I don't I really don't want to remember that, but all all of us at some point helped my father kill bugs and and crawl under houses. Yes, mm. all all of us, all at least all the boys. Right, right. That's fantastic, man. So, so that's a lot, man. You got a, a a great family history, and that's just in your immediate family. We talked about your grandfather being a songwriter, as well. But I assume that your family is a large family because you you guys had a large family in house. And tell me the difference between so where do you fall within all of your siblings? And and were you you're the older set of twins, correct? Between yeah, the so two, I have sets? three. I have three older sisters, and then I am. And then I have my twin is 10 minutes older than I am. Okay. And then me and then my two younger brothers. Um, they're, I think, three minutes apart, eight minutes apart. Okay. And so I'm right there, almost in the middle. Yeah, yeah. almost in the middle. And so my, my, my two oldest sisters are my half-sisters. So I did not necessarily grow up with, with, uh, in the same household with, with Kim and Sonia, but Ursula, Marcus and Marcel and Aaron, Aaron, my, my twin brother, mm -hmm. uh, we grew up together in um, the same household, mom, dad. That's a big family, man. So there's obviously a lot of great memories there and, and music was, was a common thread, it sounds like. So how old were you, if you can recall, when did you, when did you start playing and did you pursue lessons or was it all by ear? Yeah, by ear. I don't, I don't know who gave me my first sticks. But I remember getting sticks doing talent contests in elementary and middle school, just banging on drum pads. And, mm -hmm. and then from there, I got a keyboard. My folks bought me a keyboard. I remember one Christmas getting an, uh, a Roland XP-80. Uh, I had an XP-60. I know where you're going with this. Yes. I didn't know what to do with it, but uh, my dad said, hey, Pick whatever you want, and that's what I picked. And so, um, from there, again, just having this innate natural ability, this God-given talent to to play, pick up chords, take what what, what folks show me. Guys like Kenny White um, in my city um, was a guy that could really play. Somebody I looked up to, Brenda Nichols um, and Barbara Wilson. So some guys in, in my city would show me chords and and I would just take it, went to college, um, went to college and I dropped out of college actually. I don't know if I say, I, I don't know if I should say drop out of college or I took a break from college and I traveled with this gospel play called When a Woman's Fed Up. We used to call it Fed Up. Mm -hmm. So Patrice Lovely, who is Tyler Perry's right now, Maybell, 
was in the play with us or I was in the play. The play was already in progress. And so I got a call from a, a friend to go on the road for about a year. And so I decided, I said, I, the school thing wasn't for me. So I left school and went on the road across the country with, uh, again, Maybell, Patrice Lovely is her real name, Glenn Jones, uh, the, the, the legendary Lenny Williams was in this gospel play. Um, so many others. I think Tamar Braxton was in the play right before I came. And so many, uh, Shucky Ducky, Quack Quack, I don't know if you remember him yeah, from, from BET. <laughs> yeah. uh, so many came through the play, but, but the season I was at with the play, Glenn Jones, Patrice Lovely, uh, Lenny Williams. So that was an interesting season, a uh, very interesting season. I left the gospel play, enrolled back in school, and stayed in, at Anderson University in Anderson, South Carolina. I stayed there a few more years. And then they finally let me out. <laughs> they let you out. Yep. That's awesome. So, so basically, you you got hitched early. So, did you realize at a certain age you obviously had to realize, okay, this is more than just something to do. This you you got called out, and this was we're in college now, so we skipped a lot. But at what point did you realize not only can I make money from music, but I could do this for a living? Because you're making money at church, right? You're buying your own shoes, cap and gown, yeah. et cetera. But when did you realize, I think I can make a career out of this. This don't have to be a hobby. Yep. I, I don't know if I just chose the path of least resistance. Because I was pretty good at baseball. Oh, couldn't, stand, okay. couldn't stand football. I was pretty good at baseball. Played golf early. Did, didn't stick with it. And then, of course, playing the drums. I didn't really stick with playing the drums. Mm -hmm. Playing the keyboard may have been the path of least resistance. I was good at other things, so maybe, you know, how I'm wired, I had options. I just chose to go a mile deep with playing, you know, playing the keyboard, then eventually producing, mm -hmm. eventually exploring this MD role, this musical director role, and being trusted to produce projects in my region, gospel projects, of course. And, you know, and, and play at churches, eventually write songs, eventually be called to convocations and conventions to, to play, um, eventually be trusted to do other things in schools. And so with that comes affirmation. And so when you are affirmed in that area, it builds your confidence. And then when they give you a little check to go with that, with that service, that is all the affirmation I needed to say, hey, I can do this for this. This is a pretty good exchange. Mm -hmm. This is a great transaction. I think I'm going to keep, I'm going to stay right here for now. Give me some more and, of that. Right. And explore. And so it's been a blessing. It's, it's been an awesome blessing to me and my family for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Anderson family is, is in many ways, you know, from what I know about you, and I know I'm not alone in this, but you guys are synonymous with music. It's hard to think about the Anderson family from upstate South Carolina and not think about music. That's Now, I, that was news to me. I did not know after all this time that your dad was also in the pest control business. But that's, again, that explains the entrepreneurial gene that you guys have yes. as well. Very well. So if you remember who was one of the first people to affirm you, like you said, affirmation is important. You know, we talk, you know, there's a lot of, you know, content out there now about positive self-talk and affirmation, law of attraction, et cetera. Do you remember the first time someone said, I think you need to do this? Everybody. I mean, honestly, everybody. My parents first, obviously, but they, I just remember everybody saying, and when I say everybody, I just remember hearing those vibrations as a kid. And that's one thing I do remember vividly. I mean, I can start listing names, but it would be, it'll be everybody. Right. Every, at least everybody that I heard can, I guess, can, can take credit for, for that, 
for, for that question you just asked. My parents, of course, my dad said, hey, you just made $200. You need to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because that was more than I could pay you. And I ain't even paying, you know, I'm not paying you, of course, because right. you live in my house. But he would always, he was always talking about adding and subtracting, counting up the cost. Mm-hmm. And he believed it, but he did have some disbelief in me actually being able to be sustained musically. Now he, he doesn't ask me any questions. He used to ask, especially when, when I bought my first car, my first house, you sure you can afford this doing what you're doing? Mm-hmm. But he doesn't really ask too many questions these days um, because of, you know, consistency and, you know, he may be asking me to take him out to eat these days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my, my point there is everybody is responsible for where I am. I, I've always heard you're going to do something. You're going to be somebody. I can see you here. I can see you there. And that is awesome because many, many students that my wife and I, we work with, which I failed to mention, we started a youth group, a youth choir between that high school and college years and touring. And it became the largest youth choir in the, I guess in this area in the Southeast, if you will, Mm -hmm. because at our biggest, we had 402 students. Wow. And 402. 402 on one stage. Wow. That summer, I know I'm chasing a little rabbit here, but that summer we saw about a thousand students in the community, but only 402 showed up for this particular live recording. But many, many students that we work with don't get to hear positive vibrations and affirmations from their environment. And so I am a product of, of that. I was going to say that, that a lot of people don't, that's, that's not, you grew up in a very stable environment and had people that, you know, you had an entrepreneur as a dad, you had risk takers in your own house. So a lot of the things that, you know, you heard the person next door could have been hearing the total opposite conversation, depending on the parent's belief level. And then you still had to navigate some doubt from your father who was an entrepreneur himself when it came to your specific industry. Your trade was very different than something uh, uh, Tom Stanley called it dull normal businesses in the, I think, the millionaire mind. Dull normal, meaning this is a business that most people know about. People understand this. Everybody, if you're a musician, if you're a pilot, tax collector, doesn't matter what you do for a living, everybody understands pest control, right? Because we all have seen a spider or a roach or a bug at some point, and that's who you call to get rid of them, right? So that's that's understandable. But when it comes to music, and that's one of the reasons Musically Hits was created, was to help our listening audience, those that may not already know, how do you go from having a gift, a talent that is musical talent, and then connect it to longevity and sustainability in the form of a career? Like you said, your dad said, you just got $200. I couldn't have even paid you that. So how do you get to the point to where you even get $200 for playing something that a lot of people think is a hobby at best? Yeah, because your skill, my skill met an opportunity. Mm. And so I think it was Miles Monroe that said, he who solves the problem becomes the employer. And so we, we, we've often hear this when you solve a need, uh, you know, cash will follow. And, and so I'm creative. I have this gift and I'm telling you, it's just a grace that I was able to, to turn my creativity into cash. Right. And that was just the start of it because, you know, obviously the exchange was me playing the piano for cash, but then, that wasn't the end of it, or it's not the end of it. Right. Then folks start to say, how are you doing what you are doing? Now I'm able to explain it, and then there's an exchange for cash. Now I'm an entrepreneur. I could be also called an infopreneur, because as an introvert, doing all of this, it was hard for me to communicate what was on the inside of me, either a how-to or what I would like for you to do. So you know being an MD, 
leading folks, you have to communicate and you have to be clear. Clarity is, you got to be clear because clarity is synonymous with productivity. Yeah. And so I had to to build my weaknesses. Yeah. Yeah. And that was one of them. Communicate. Favorite quote is to be clear is to be kind, right? So, you know, if you, in order to, in order for people to know that you love them, you got to let them know, you got to show them, right? And so you love music and, and the love for that comes out in the form of that musical director role. But the plan, it all, right? The bucks starts and stops with you as a director. And so, but you had to get that confidence. So where did you muster up the confidence to go from, hey, I can play the piano and I sound pretty good working in my bedroom at home to I'm ready to stand in front of 400 people and tell them the musical plan today? Counselors, you know, mentors, whether they knew they were a mentor or not, they were my mentor. I sat and I took notes, I looked, and then of course many took a chance on me and let me fail fast. And then when I failed, I took notes. I said, I don't wanna do that again because that was embarrassing. I am not gonna do that again. I am not gonna, I'm gonna try to learn at least the one, four and the five and the six chord in all my keys because I was embarrassed when I transposed and I didn't hit the right button at the right time. That's a, that's a fail moment. <laughs> so I said, at least, I may, I may not be Herbie Hancock in all my keys, but I am, I am, I gotta learn all my keys, embarrassing. Or being asked to communicate something and I could not, or, or something that I was responsible for, crashing and burning because of my insufficiency. So it's just the failing, you know, failing, and I'm a fail fast person. I'm going to do it. I'm going to fly this plane and build it at the same time. I don't recommend it, but that's something that has worked for me. Get the answers at the same time. You know, you know, while you're la- launching and getting the answers. I've, I've always done that. Um, because I've, I've, I was taught later in life that if you spend 10 years preparing for something and you launch it, and it's either outdated or nobody likes it, you have wasted 10 years. If you, if you launch something and it blows up, it goes viral, now you look like a genius. And so that fail fast is fail fast with quality and excellence as much as possible. But man, it, you know, from here, from, you know, from an idea um, to manifestation, it really doesn't, it don't take me long these days. I'm going to fail fast. Well, you build up a muscle, right? So the fail, the failure is, is horrific to some people. That's, that's, it's just associated with torment and disaster. And, and then that's, and, and then you start thinking about your livelihood as well. So there's your reputation. Like you said, you started talking about embarrassment. That is painful even when you're getting paid. But if you can, if when you're not even getting paid for something, you know, the, the idea of failing, particularly in front of people publicly, is something that a lot of people struggle with. But musicians are, I think, some of the most resilient people in the world because all you do is when you first start playing, you sound like trash, right? Then you finally get good. And then if you start thinking you're good, somebody else has, has been sensitized to great music and they'll tell you you're not ready yet. Then there's the financial hurdle that you have to overcome because you need to be able to buy and afford your own equipment, right? In order to be able to practice regularly enough to put in your 10,000 hours so you can become yeah. great or a master at something. By the time you play in public, you've had so many challenges that it's almost like, you know, can I do it? But then sometimes, you know, people can, you can get cold feet. You know, when it's, when it's that first gig, or that first church service, and there's two, 300 eyes, you know, looking at you. There's many, many opportunities to fail in the life of a musician before you even get to that period of affirmation. But what it takes to get there, I think is what, you know, you, you're talking about now. You gotta fail fast. So go through those bad chords, go through those ups and downs, go through those no's, not yet, you're not ready. You gotta hear all of that. And that's a yeah. common thread a lot of our guests have have highlighted over and over about major crash and burn scenarios like you wouldn't believe in front of audiences of people and you can't hide. It was a, it was a visual can't hide and there's also a sonic can't hide. It sounded bad too. So what do you think about that? But the, I mean, you just hit on something 
and maybe you can get an expert to come on, on, on the show here, but the psychology of being musically hitched. Mm. Because the, the amount of non-music stuff that's cycling through our minds while we're playing chords. Right. Playing the chord, man, is it right? Is it right? I wondered if, I wondered if they noticed you playing the chord. I wonder if such and such in the audience playing the chord. Why did they do this playing the chord? Oh, they didn't. This is not right. The bass player. So the amount of not, oh, I didn't, I should have practiced enough. All of that is going up, going mm -hmm. in your head mm -hmm. while you're playing the chord or the rudiment or the drum beat, the bass lick, whatever. So, but the psychology of being musically hitched is, 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 is interesting. The emotions. And so you should deal with that. I want to, I want to be a fly on the wall when you do that show. This it's heavy, man. It's it's heavy. It's not it's not as easy as it looks. We all know that that mastery of something makes it look easy, but again, the amount of hours and years that it takes to get to that point. I think you. I I don't want to mess up what you said earlier. It sounded fantastic, but I think you said if you spend ten years doing something right and you don't do it, then that's that's like failure to you. Uh, nobody else really knows unless you publicly broadcast how long you've been working on a vision before it's launched. You know, but you know. And you have to deal with that. So musicians, our community, you know, we're, we're, we're a group of people that has to be really, really comfortable with our own thoughts. Even when our own thoughts, as you said, make us uncomfortable. Whatsoever a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's what he's going to so, be. Right. And so there's a negative and there's a positive side to it. And I, I mean, honestly, I don't have any other explanation other than I am where I am today because of my thoughts from yesterday. Mm, I thought good. my way here. How did you get here? I thought my way here. Mm -hmm. I thought my way upstairs to this loft to talk to you. And so I am thinking before I speak. And sometimes I don't think before I speak, but <laughs> uh, I am definitely here where I am in life in this season, living this lifestyle because of a series of thoughts, because a series of things I chose to think about daily, what I chose to meditate on, uh, what I chose, to, the books I chose to read, the people I chose to listen to and then meditate on what they said. And um, that's, that's, that has to be, has to be the explanation why I'm here, where I am today. That's fantastic. I mean, there's so much more we could get into, but I, we'll, we're going to try to keep it keep it focused just to make sure that we get as much meat as possible because there's a lot to you, Alfie. Yeah, we're not on music. We're not even on music right we, now. Yes, a lot to you, man. Right. So, but that's but that's good though because you can't do this. You can't be musically hitched and be mentally unstable. You won't be able to perform. You won't be able to execute. You won't be able to carry it out. And even if you've mastered it, as you said, those those the inner psychological part has got to be intact as well. You know. What do we do when there's trauma with the talent or when there's talent with the trauma, however you want to look at mm -hmm. that. I mean, mm -hmm. so yeah. that's many of our testimony. We yeah. have talent, but we also have trauma. Same time. Right. And a lot of people don't know that because they, they don't, and they didn't sign up for the trauma. They signed up for the music. They bought the ticket, but, but they didn't buy the, the, the counseling session, you know, that's, that's, on, that's on you to get that fixed right before but we make the best guys. <laughs> you, I mean, you, you're, you're proof of it. And many of your, your contemporaries are proof that, that you can be really talented with trauma mm. and can overcome obstacles and we are proof. And, and it's maybe that's a prerequisite for the talented and the gifted, mm. but Interesting uh, thought. It, it makes, yeah. Look at the basketball players, the football players and the actors and the stars. You dig in a little bit, you're going to see the trauma. Mm -hmm. But perhaps that is fuel for success. Perhaps. Right. I would love not, not to have so much trauma. And we, we all would not love not to have calamity and tra trauma. But perhaps there's a purpose for calamity and trauma. Right. Well, neither one of us coined this phrase. We both heard the phrase, art imitates life. So we can't produce art without living life and that's a part of trauma is a part of life it's an unfortunate part of it but the beautiful side of it and the gift that we all have as those of us that are musically hitched is that we can take trauma and and with that trauma we have a we have a paintbrush in our hand at the same time and those experiences you know 
help us to create on a canvas that is blank. What yep. we, what someone else sees as a blank wall, we see as a mural, but you got to see it. And a lot of times what's on the mural, as we, as we just said, are some of the real life scenarios that we see all the time, but it takes that creative mind to be willing to put color to it and to speak life into that blank canvas. So it's an incredible gift. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm thankful all the time that I was chosen. Uh, clearly you were, and, and it's just, it's just a matter of, of honoring that gift, even with the trauma. Absolutely. That's very good, man. I love that. Talk about the process and the level of commitment. You talked about, um, you left college basically. And I was going to ask you because a lot of people may or may not know this for a person. Most people that leave college don't receive a distinguished alumni award later in life. So talk about your college experience. You left, but how in the world did you become a distinguished alumni if you left? A lot of people say that doesn't add up. Whoever nominated me, whoever you are, <laughs> thank you. Because it, my grades were not distinguished. <laughs> and what's the, the university? Tell, tell, tell the listeners the university. Yeah, Anderson University on. in Anderson, South Carolina. At the Anderson. time, it was Anderson College. Now it's Anderson University, who's about to get a football team. So on the come, <laughs> but known for, it's a, it's a Christian school known for arts and some other things. And I got the call that you have been nominated or you are receiving this dis distinguished alumni award at the time. I want to say I was the youngest in my group. I was definitely the youngest in the group and I was the only African-American and I am assuming it was because of my contributions in the community, my efforts in the community to use. Anderson University really helped me be disciplined. It, I failed a lot of classes, but it helped me to just, just to keep going and keep grinding. I remember it was so bad that they changed two of my grades just so I can graduate. Now, I word it like that. But that sounds a little funny, but that's what happened. I, I, I failed in two classes. They said, you would not be able to graduate. I wrote a letter, and the response was, um, I think I'm going to consider your letter. So if you pass everything that you're enrolled in right now, we're going to change, or we're going to alter, or we're going to whatever. We're going to, we're going to dismiss these two grades and allow you to graduate. And then they, a little extra note that, that said, this is an in institutional grace. <laughs> <laughs> Be, because we have received word that while you're in college, you were, you're touring, you have started this community choir that's, that's, that's gaining some notoriety. While you, you're doing all of this while you're in school, you're driving to three different cities, to contribute to this church, one of the fastest growing church in, 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 in the city. We, we got word that you're doing all of this while in college and it seems like your grades have reflected your, your, your workload in school. I mean, this is in the letter. That, that was nice of them. <laughs> that was nice of them to say. And they, and they said, you know what? The least we can do is honor that. We know you're about to get married I mean, this was in the letter. That's they amazing. Said, they said, we can't hold you back and we don't <laughs> ever do this. <laughs> and, uh, and so past everything, we got you covered. And I graduated with a degree in Christian ministries and a minor in music. Wow. That's ridiculous. That story, I don't get to tell that often, but miracles do happen. Grace <laughs> does happen. And maybe I was paid up so much because I was in, in the school so long. Maybe my, maybe I was just paid up that much. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got there, man. And that is definitely distinguished. Is That, that could not be a better word. That, that is distinguished. I don't know that anybody else will ever have that story, no matter how many alumni receive it in the future. That's going to be yours and yours alone, that particular story. Well-deserved. Picture in the school. I mean, you got a picture of me hanging up in the school. And really? I barely got in, barely got out, and you got a picture of me at the college. That's awesome. Hanging up on the wall. 
fantastic. That's what, and that's that's a part of that journey, though. See, if you weren't a musician, this none of this would have happened. So you have music to thank for that because that that passion and that pursuit caused people to stand back and look at again. You're doing something you're not really thinking about trying to get an award. You're just pursuing your passion, right? But in the process of you pursuing your passion, other people that actually take a take a spectator seat, they can get inspired. They're like, hey, this guy's got a lot going on. He's involved in the community. You weren't some flunky that was just not studying for your test. You were out working and serving the people. So Alphys, you're an entrepreneur. We've talked about that. But a lot of people may not know just how multifaceted you are. So you're an author, you're a speaker, teacher, clinician, you're a music producer, songwriter. You wear a lot of different hats. Talk to us about some of your projects that you're excited about, particularly uh, Music to Change You. I remember when I first heard about that, and I've always loved that name. Tell us about Music to Change You. What is your mission and vision behind that and some of the other projects that you currently have in action? Yeah, 2008, we decided to structure uh, the music that we were producing under this brand called Music to Change You. So whether it be music or training or events, Music to Change You, we incorporated and started releasing music. Of course, at the time it was a youth choir. And then eventually we, I guess what traditionally is known as signing artists um, to a project. And what we, we were responsible for, we tried this thing out. We were responsible for paying for the project, releasing the project. And at the time it was my roommate in college, uh, his name is Sean Bigby. And so we released uh, an EP for him. And, and that was, it is still under Music to Change You. And then from there we said, I think that is all of the artists that we can handle, which was only one artist <laughs> outside of my, my I guess my, my vision with Pure in Heart, which is the other artist. So Pure in Heart, this massive youth choir, and Sean Bigby are the only two individuals on our roster. Then Music to Change You transition into to training and workshops and events. And that's what we're doing a lot these days. We are supporting training. We are partnering with musicians to executive produce, master classes, um, their content. So Music to Change You is still a record label, but it, it looks, it doesn't look tr- like a traditional record label. With artists, it's more so a mixture of musicians and content creators. Mm-hmm. And so our audience knows you know, Music to Change You, even though it only had two artists, most people don't get one stellar award, which is the gospel equivalent, gospel music's equivalent of a Grammy award. Um, but not only did they get one, but they've won two. So this is no lazy approach to to working with young people. You you're really really teaching them to sing and 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 build character at the same time to the point to where they're an, they're an award winning choir. Not many people can say that at all, particularly about a youth choir. That's fantastic. Yeah, so true. I mean, it's it's humbling, uh, humbling, and also just awesome that that the Stella Awards the gospel community would respect our work. They just don't hand out stellar awards. Mm-hmm. You don't just get through because you're a children's choir. And so our first live recording was not even released. It was horrible. You say, yeah, it was a kid situation, but no, 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 no. We, we wanted to put out something quality. So we got the best musicians, musicians that played for, these were touring musicians that we secured um, that played for some of your for some of the gospel artists that you love secular and and christian gospel artists i mean these guys we hired these guys to play for this situation and release music for youth and so glad that this, that stellars and and even the dove awards um honor our efforts through through their platform and so 11, a dozen Stella Award nominations. And again, we were, were, were afforded the opportunity to win two. And for sure, it, it's, it's awesome. 
we still got more uh, from, from the Pure in Heart brand with curriculum and, and even some other stuff that, that we have planned. What's the secret to reaching young people, particularly those that are musically hitched? Because a lot of the greatest talent that we've ever known have stories similar to, to you and I. They got the music bug, bit them early. Uh, they, they, had, they stood up in front of a choir or an audition or a recital hall or something, and they did it for the first time. And they, they may or may not have crashed and burned, but for whatever reason, they were hooked and hitched at that point, and they just kept going. So what do you think is the secret to staying power in the industry that we're in? You talked about you know, working with young people. How do you get them to a place where they are award-winning? How do you get? How do you nurture that talent? What's the secret to being, being a great, great facilitator of youth talent? Yeah, I, I, you gotta have the goods. You gotta be honest with them. If they are flat, they are flat. That's just that's just you're just a semitone away from being accurate. All right. Mm. We don't fight over that. We don't get bent out of shape. We don't get depressed over that. We don't fight over notes. We fix them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then after you have the goods, honestly, I think it's an 80-20 rule. It's, it's really 20% on stage, singing, music, and then the 80% is, is the non-music attributes that we need to have. Mm-hmm. The confidence, the networking, the communication. And so if you can really mar- you know, help a student kind of see that and then see the fruit of that, I think they will be addicted and, and really will be committed to the process. Right. Because to continue to do something and you can't see rewards from it or the fruit, you're not going to do it. And so when you do, you do train them, you teach them, but you want to introduce them to the, to the, to the rewards of it, to the success and, um, and then do it all over again. You know? Right. Right. Absolutely. And so, again, another thing about you that people may not know, because you're not you don't toot your own horn. So that's my job to do that as the host. You are also a recipient of the President Barack Obama Volunteer Service Award. So what are some of the things that you could be caught doing during a typical week, typical month, year in your community that would make even a former president take notice? Yeah, it, a, a lot of times, and the reason why I don't post a lot about what I do, because I believe in preserving the dignity of those that can cannot. What I mean by that, obviously, it's a, it's a good deed to, to give money to the poor. But man, if I get my iPhone out and I go live saying, you know, I am giving to XYZ, I am capturing, I am streaming somebody at their lowest point. Mm. And so what about the dignity, dignity of the person that I, am, that I am helping? And so preserving the dignity of the person that cannot, at least right now, is, is kind of what I'm about. I also, I subscribe to this, this, I don't know if it's a law, or a whatever principle, but I, I, I subscribe to the principle of keeping secrets. I honestly feel what I do in secret, I will eventually be, re- you will see what I'm doing because of the lifestyle I'm living. Don't think that this lifestyle that I'm living, if you, if you have a glimpse of what I'm eating, where I'm living, and what, how I'm up, you know, navigating life freely, um, and able to seemingly do what I want to do without restrictions. Some people call it blessed. It is because I can keep secrets. It's because mm-hmm. we keep secrets. What I do in secret will eventually be rewarded openly. You would see you doing something. Now, I could be high level. Like this weekend, we were curators for the citywide uh, back to school situation where it was not only pizza, it was school supplies. It was a red carpet back to school event. It was gift cards. It was 
you know, so the advertising of that leading up to it was what you may see, but the actual streaming of a kid that actually needs the supplies you may not see. Right. Right. And so any given week counseling, you don't know the name, but spending two hours with somebody and, and, and giving them advice or a group of students or anybody um, financially giving, you may not know the, know the individuals, but that um, word will get out about what you're doing when you in the community because people can't keep their mouth shut. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and of course, if you, if you believe in the Bible, listen to this, if you're a Bible reader, you know of many stories where Jesus himself would do something. He'd say, bruh, don't tell nobody. But did they listen? No, because it was so it was so powerful and so transformational that they had to say, you know what? Somebody helped me and this person gets the credit. And and when you do when you are inspirational, people the news channels will come, money, people will give to you because you know what to do with the money. Right. People That's will a give powerful to you. principle. Yeah. It's a very powerful principle. You have to know you have to know what you're doing and you have to have a vision. So uh it's an easy way of saying that is, you know, where there's fire, there's smoke. Set yourself on fire. People come to watch you burn. My mentor used to say that a lot. <laughs> but you got to be willing to light the match first. But it's, it's, it's pretty amazing to see somebody set themselves on fire. It's hard not to stop traffic doing that. So I like that, Zach. <laughs> hey, I didn't corner it, but I, but I try to live by it. And it's a very true statement. Anything we see, on, we, have you ever thought about that? Anytime you see a fire, no matter how old you are, no matter where you are, if you see a fire, you can't do anything but stop. And it almost draws you to it because there's something about the heat. There's something about the, the color, the, the fact that it's consuming everything around it. It's, we don't see anything like that. And so as, as a musician, it's a great characteristic to have because that's why, we're, that's why we were attracted to Prince. That's why we were attracted to Lady Gaga when she first came out. She just lit a match. She lit herself on fire and everybody just came to watch them burn. And it's a good time to be on fire too. And, and, and so many tools and resources, social media, mm -hmm. um, we, ha we have access to it. And for people to, to see what we're doing or for us to carve out a lane and, and it may not be for everybody, but it's definitely for somebody. Right. And this is just a good time for it to, to catch on fire, to heat up. And, and like you said, whoever coined it, they will see the smoke and they will wonder or they'll be attracted to it. They will give to it. They will buy. <laughs> um, and I think that is really all about going a mile deep. It's something about going a mile deep. And, and I hear people say, go a mile deep. Consider going a mile deep and an inch wide. A mile deep and an inch wide. So you're doing one thing well. You're doing one thing well. And that's how really when we didn't have matches, we would we would take sticks, which is one thing, and we would do with this one repetitive thing, mm -hmm. and we would I guess something looked like this. This yeah. is one thing, but the fruit of it is a it's fire. Yeah, yeah, that tension, man. That's it. You are speaking of a man on fire. You you are a man that loves his wife, and you guys have done a lot together and have, have really impacted a lot of people. Uh, but a lot of people don't believe that relationships and success in the music industry is possible. Is it possible to be a happily married or family man and be musically hitched, married to music at the same time? Can you do, can both coexist? My answer would be absolutely. How so? It, it, it can exist, it's just balance. I want it. And I know if you're listening, you want it, but I also want a relationship. I have a desire to be married. I have a desire to be in a relationship. And so you can, it's 24 hours in a day. You can do a lot in 24 hours, including be committed to your spouse, including um, be committed to your craft. And so once you really get organized and, and you prioritize, and, and you get your purpose, you get your purpose together, you, you can balance, you can balance these things. You can keep, you can keep your marriage healthy. 
you can be booed up for a long time, um, and you can also be musically hitched because it's, you just got to know your purpose. I heard somebody say, say, uh, say, purpose tells you what not to do. So when you're really solid in what your purpose to do, it, it, it tells you when, where, where you should not go, what you should not listen to, what you should not eat, and what you should not do. So it's not necessarily about what you should do. Purpose is about what you shouldn't do. Hmm. So you got to care enough. Basically, you got to care about yourself and those that are connected to your purpose enough to refrain from some things. To yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt. My, my wife is beautiful. And um, to my, I mean, to my liking, to my taste, that doesn't hurt. But obviously, we get older and she's beautiful inside and out. And I chose my wife for, for a lot of reasons. She didn't, uh, she said yes, she said yes. And so almost, she almost got away, but it was the <laughs> best decision. Now we're turning it, just turning into a relationship <laughs> podcast. The best decision because she's very much a part of what, what I do. We, we've decided to, to chase dreams together. We decided to build things together and it is much easier. Uh, relationships is about self-denial. Honestly, life is, if you work for somebody 40 hours a week, you have the capacity to be in a relationship because mm. you're denying your will every single hour. <laughs> if you don't love it, right? Right. Yeah. Even when you don't love it. And so, Let's say you, you know you could you could you could be in a relationship with somebody that you don't love for a long time because mm -hmm. you have a strong will to to make this thing work. Now, love you know love. Uh, it's not a friend of mine, but I heard somebody say love is not enough. He wrote a book about love is not enough, and so I love my wife, and and we dream together. It, it makes it makes us things easy do you get tired of her i mean we only have one car by choice we have one car mm -hmm. you don't get tired of riding together you don't get tired of communicating with her about your schedule and her schedule your schedule now obviously part of our lifestyle we can work from home we can work from anywhere most of the year but we have one car by choice because that forces us to communicate and communication is is really intimate. You you want to show that somebody that you care and that you are in a relationship share. It's like an exchange of the exchange of information is is intimacy. It is immaterial intimacy, but it's powerful in it. And and there's a connection when you exchange information, when you communicate, when you talk, you vibe. You cry, you laugh, <laughs> you know, she tell you that track you just made suck. <laughs> and you like, <laughs> you don't get a divorce because she's honest with you. Right. That's, that's a part of the, that's a part of, 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 of the vibe, you know, and you know, that's, that's a, that's a relationship built on a good foundation. And so uh, you can be musically hitched and have a successful marriage if that's what you desire and we know and we know not all of our listeners are married but some people are just in a relationship right now and they're trying to decide is this person the right person for me to hitch with meaning like you know can i even allow them into my space because i'm already musically hitched i'm already pursuing this i already want to do this for a living i already want to leave my job to do music full time do I have a person that will be able to handle that lifestyle? So it is a very important question that I can't say that I, I asked that question of myself before, but my wife was musical. So it was kind of like a no brainer in some sense, but you don't know exactly how music is going to impact your relationship until you're doing it. You got to do both at the same time to even know, but it's, there are some questions that you can ask. I would say some, some, some screening questions, maybe in the early stages, uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll cap it with that. But I think you do have to think about, as you said, if you got a track that's whack, you got somebody in your corner that will say it before it can hit the street. 
So, and they've got an objective here. And it's also someone that wants you to win because when you win, she wins. So if it sounds like garbage and she knew it, it's in essence co-signing a loss for you both publicly because she's got an answer to, yeah, that was my husband that produced that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So and she, and it, she, it has pluses and minuses, right? Yeah, I'm not, like sleeping, I'm not sleeping with the enemy, not necessarily, you know, sleeping with the enemy, but I'm not sleeping with the enemy. And so when she tries to proof my, my Instagram post and says, you need a comma right there, I don't get offended. Mm-hmm. She... When I look good, she looks good. Right, right. When she looks good, I look good. So you, you hit it on the nail. That's good stuff. <laughs> and you guys wrote a book together uh, entitled The Little Blue Heart. Tell us a little bit about some of the, the works that you've authored, particularly that one uh, that you did together. So you're listening and you probably gather by now, I'm a musician, I'm huge, huge into music. I'm musically hitched, but I am also into empowering the next generation. Because I was a kid and I'm the fruit of somebody pouring into me. My parents, of course, and in this community. And so this vein that I'm heavy in right now is making sure that I I help, I give back. I pour into the next generation, not just the cord, but uh, not just money, not just shoes, but something immaterially um, that can transform them. This book, The Little Blue Heart, we we wrote because bullying is huge in schools. Mm. Yes, it is. Cyberbullying, almost every school shooting and, and violence can be linked to bullying. Almost every, the year I graduated um, was this famous shoot. I don't want to call it a famous shooting, but you, you remember the Columbine shooting? Of course. It was connected to bullying. And so, we believe if you can catch them below the shoulders, then you have a great chance to turn this, change this narrative of school shootings and violence in the community and even suicides. So this is a nice little innovative, fun book called The Little Blue Heart. For obvious reasons, he's bullied. He's not red like everybody else, but because he's blue, he has special abilities. He is musical. He is fast. He is smart. And then because his, his differences uh, shine and, and everybody is, is taking note to this. Again, he's on fire. That heart is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> then, like you said just a few minutes ago, you know, the smoke, everybody is paying attention to all of this hype around this blue heart. And at the end of the book, all of the red hearts want to be just like the blue heart. That's very, very cool. Very cool. And, and who's the audience for this book? Is it is a children's book or is that a book for anybody? It is for the entire family because parents in the book can, can take note to how to handle uh, their, their kid or teachers, how to handle a, a student that's being bullied. And so you can see how the, the parent, the, the adults are dealing with this blue heart and even friends. You can see, I mean, he has negative situations in this book, but he has positive situations where um, he is now, um, he's confident in his differences um, and he can, he can come out on top. Hmm. Very good. Yep. How important has relationship building and networking been to your success? Life moves at the speed of relationships. Life moves at the speed of relationship. I don't know who came up with this statement, but it is so true. And so if you want to go, if you want to go further, you, you definitely can go further with other people. I mean, relationships are important. As a matter of fact, Relationships are so important. It's important to our immune system, and it's, it's important. If um, if everybody disappeared on Earth, I would be depressed. If I was left on Earth in Aruba and everybody was gone, I would not be happy. Because our what's on the inside of us is for somebody else. Hmm. 
I've never seen a, 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 a tree eat its own fruit. That's good. I, if, if you're not happy with what God gave me, I'm not happy. I know that sounds a certain way, but what we have is for somebody else. That's why when we don't get the call, when nobody says, this was awesome, this cake tastes awesome, this, this track sounds awesome, it's, it's for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Our fruit is for somebody else to eat. And then when they enjoy it, that's why you, you're happy. And, that's, and I am happy when somebody else is benefiting from what God gave me. That's awesome. What we have is really for someone else. It's not for us. Not at all. Any other tips for longevity in the entertainment industry as we, as we begin to wrap up? What are some thoughts that you have about how those listening could have longevity? How many years would you say you've been in the business of, of music and entertainment at this point? Yeah, I'll be 40 this year. And so I'm celebrating 40 years of life and 20 years in the music industry, music business, officially, you know, the, and so I still have a ways to go. I just know this, <laughs> go a mile deep, start now, you know, get some counseling, you know, and, and in other words, ask questions, um, research, and, you know, get, you know, don't quit. Um, Use what's in your hand first. You don't need another computer because have you made money with the computer you got? Mm. <laughs> have you made money with the cell phone? You know, and so uh, really just write, write the vision, you know, write your dreams out. It's more likely to happen when you write it down anyway. Um, so that, that's a lot of little tips that have helped me. I'm still a work in progress. I am still dreaming. Uh, I still have a lot more people to, to serve and, and I want to impact. And have, I still have more places to travel. And um, so I got to I gotta take my own prescription. <laughs> Good advice. Take your own medicine, right? That's right. So what about upcoming releases? As what, what can we expect? As you said, you're, you're on fire and, you're, and smoke is eventually going to show up, right, for all of us to see. So what uh, forthcoming releases do you have? Any projects that you're working on right now that you're excited about, that you're able to share about, of course? Um, yeah, I, I would say this because you have caught me in the middle of a, a parenthetical pause. <laughs> in other words, <laughs> like I said, just broken record, I'll be 40 in a few weeks. Um, depending on the time you're you're hearing this, I may already be 40, so I am 40. So I am actually going to take 40 days off to reevaluate. Some call it a sabbatical, and out of that, I know there's going to be a a a maybe a shift, a a rebranding, or a pivot, or maybe just that I am going to strengthen what I'm already doing just another way. You best believe it's gonna be centered around empowerment, musically or non-musically, giving back, leaving a legacy. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's what's next. Whether it be musically, through books, through courses, through something like this, through a podcast, through our YouTube channels, it's gonna be centered around dying empty. I wanna be gutted when I die. I want to, I really want to be good at Got it. So follow us on our social media sites. We're on yeah. YouTube, Alphaeus Anderson, A-L-P-H, A-E-U-S, Anderson, and you. We're pretty optimized. You, you, when, you, when you Google me, you're going to say, what in the world are you doing? <laughs> you know, and so, but it's, you're going to pretty much come up with two or three things, even though you may see an array of places and things that I'm doing. It's going to either be empowerment or something musically. Gotcha. And they can find you on the web in a lot of places. So and we'll make sure to share those with music to change you.com gain, maintain.com the vocal shed.com eat dash center.com. Correct. Yes. And, and on social media, if they wanted to follow you, what, what's your user? Alpheus Anderson on TikTok. <laughs> 
my students have finally got me on TikTok and of course Facebook, Alpheus Anderson, Instagram, Alpheus. Not a lot of Alpheuses in the world. And Facebook, of course, YouTube. Holla at your boy. That's awesome. You heard it here. My good friend, hopefully a, a good friend of yours now, even from afar, Alpheus Anderson. He's he's done a lot. He has a lot to do. And I'm proud to know you and be associated with you. And I'm looking forward to what the future has for you, my brother. So continue to stay musically hit. You out there as well, our listeners. Thank you for joining us again. I'm your host, Zach Reynolds Jr. It's been another episode of Musically Hitch. Please keep us locked in. Tune in. Hit that subscribe button. We look forward to seeing and hearing from you as well soon. Take care.